Welcome to My Shitty Podcast, So Shitty It Only Has One T. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing. And most importantly, thanks for telling a friend. I uh, also want to thank my guest, John from Meow Wolf, for talking about his title with the company and also Meow Wolf entirely. Also, if I may shout out um, to Meow Wolf hiring staff just for a moment here, we joked a little bit uh, on the podcast about an open position um, as a podcaster for Meow Wolf. Um, if I may be so Bruce Springsteen, this gun's for hire. Um, I'm definitely open to the um, opportunity if there is one. Um, so um, <laughs> there's that uh, if you're listening out there. Also, you can check out the show on iTunes, Spotify, any place that you like to get your podcasts. Um, if you're listening now, I assume you've already done so. Um, those are just some extra outlets um, if you like. Um, but without further ado, let's let the cat out of the bag. Be here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> totally fine. <clears throat> All right. We can get started uh, whenever you're ready. I'm good to go. All right. Beautiful. Uh, why don't we start with um, who you are and what you do for a living? Hi, I'm John Fines. I'm the Vice President of Communications for Meow Wolf. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, how did you get into this particular position whenever you were in grade school? Uh, and the teachers asked, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? I'm sure you didn't say. I blurted out Meow Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, I, was, uh, I lived in Santa Fe in the 90s, and I had a beautiful life here, but I got uh, the siren call of, of Los Angeles extracted me from this beautiful life I had in Santa Fe. And I was a wanderlust kind of guy, and I never really thought I'd ever return anywhere. But Santa Fe had set its hooks in me and I, and I had a feeling that I had a destiny here and you know, it took a lot of years, but uh, a long story short is, is I did return to Santa Fe about four years ago and I lucked into an amazing job with the city of Santa Fe uh, for their first ever public relations manager job they had in their tourism department. Mm -hmm. Tourism has been Santa Fe's bread and butter to say the least for over a century. And um, the tourism department is probably the most important department in the city other than, you know, in a crisis situation. And, um, you know, I was just off the boat and I didn't even think they'd interview me. I almost didn't apply because I thought this would go to a counselor's cousin or, really? you know, like, yeah, but I thought, you know, I've got the skills for it and I can learn anything. And so I applied and I got the gig and that put me in the middle of everything here in Santa Fe, because if, if it was interesting and could possibly attract somebody to, to town, mm -hmm. then I needed to know about it and get it in the media. And so that's a ton of stuff. And then in late 2014, really right after I took the gig, a few months after I took the gig, Meow Wolf made the announcement that George R. R. Martin bought the Silver Lanes where we're sitting right now, and that was going to be the go moment for this great big vision of House of Eternal Return. Yeah. And so we embraced it immediately. We Again, we're you know our department, say what you will about city government, but Santa Fe's got a lot of really good people in city government, and our tourism department, we would hook you up and help you out. And so we backed and embraced Meow Wolf from the start before we even had any idea what they were really going to do but we were there for them and then i would come over here when this was just steel and concrete and then i would come over and check out some of the progress what they were making you know spent about a year just understanding what was going to happen and being ready to promote it sure and then uh then i ended up writing the press release for them or really rewriting their initial press release getting some a lot of national coverage for them um, it took a while to learn how to tell the story. It took a little bit, but then I would travel to other cities and pitch editors on what was happening in Santa Fe. And Meow Wolf was always really high up on my list. And we were getting a lot of really good coverage. And I would bring reporters and media over here. And, uh, you know, that caught Vince's eye. Vince is one of the co-founders and is now CEO of Meow Wolf. And he saw all this media I was getting and uh, called me up one day and said, Hey, John, uh, how'd you like to be our marketing director? Hey. And I said, that's a conversation I'll have. And I loved my job. You know, I was really happy and in a good spot. But this thing is so wild and different and rare and unique. Certainly. And my dad gave me a good piece of advice. He said, always take the meeting. Yeah. And so I took the meeting. And then when I spoke further and understood how much bigger and more ambitious and incredible the vision was, I just went, whoa, you know. Yeah. I, I got I to gotta take a shot here. What's, take a risk. What suck, sunk its hooks into you as far as like, this is this is it. Was there one particular thing that you saw? I mean, it's hard to to um, 
Well, it's hard. I don't even know how you tell the story of what's Meow Wolf. And you go, uh, I don't know. There's architecture, sculpture, painting, photography, video. Uh, there's costuming. Virtual reality, augmented reality. <laughs> yeah. Performances, yeah. lighting, instruments. Narrative. You name it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know how you, in a nutshell or or... What what does your elevator spiel look like when people say what's Meow Wolf or where do you work? What is well, yeah, I guess there'd be an elevator spiel for Meow Wolf, and then and then talking about what House of Eternal Return is. You know, I guess Certain. one of the things that we might say is everybody talks about let's go to Meow Wolf, and that's cool. Um, and, and and right now we're just one facility. In a couple of years' time, we'll have more facilities in other cities. But it's going to be a problem in uh, about a year, right? Yeah, or, it or, could or be. <laughs> we'll see how the the, word, the language will evolve. But one of the things people should know is. People call House of Eternal Return Meow Wolf, but House of Eternal Return, the attraction here in Santa Fe, is a piece of work that Meow Wolf created. Officially, Meow Wolf is the name of the art collective. Right. Now an entertainment group. We're really not, you know, we're an art collective, but we're also a big business, and we're, you know, I would say we're an arts and entertainment group. Sure. Um, and so just to get some language straight, you know, we're cool with people saying this building is Meow Wolf and that the installation is Meow Wolf, but it's really a house of eternal return. That's, That's just correct. one of the things that we've built in the 10 years that we've been in existence. And Meow Wolf, uh, to be specific, would be the name of the collective. The And so the ele there's an elevator pitch for the collective and an elevator pitch for house of eternal return you know and what i tell people is you know we're an arts and entertainment group sure. uh, that create experiences uh immersive and interactive experiences uh for all ages to explore and discover 100 percent, yeah um because we do have denver and las vegas meow wolf that's going to open up so as of right now like we were saying to call it meow wolf it's not necessarily correct, but also not a problem it's right now. It's not incorrect. We're totally cool with people calling it all Meow Wolf. And, and if in Denver they say, let's go to Meow Wolf, which they probably will, regardless <laughs> of what that installation's title is, sure. um, you know, we're going to roll with it. We're, we're not big on rules and boundaries and limitations and, 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 uh, and as little right and wrong as necessary. Certainly, yeah. certainly. Um, what do you feel like uh, the art collective um, for House of Eternal Return does for the general public? You mentioned that um, it's great for tourism. Um, it's great for the city. Uh, I would imagine it's great for the community. Um, how do you feel about uh, what uh, House of Eternal Return does for the general public? Yes, uh, good insights. Yes, uh, you know we've been a success on all kinds of levels, and we owe our success to the help that we got from the city and the community and the to tourism and hospitality industry. They helped us get on our feet and directed traffic our way, and now we're pulling people into town and, and turning them on to those restaurants and hotels and, and, and cultural experiences here. So Santa Fe's very very community-oriented, um, help-each-other-out kind of place. There's very little to none, no backstabbing here the way there are might be in other cities. Certainly. And so that was a big part of who we are and, and, and the people who helped us. But to answer your question, I think that... Um, if you look at the pat if you look at the rise of the internet and digital and social media and it's basically been about a generation now since the mid 90s you know and roughly the the span of one generation and that means it's still pretty young but what's happened in that time is that we you know, we've shrunk our art down. We used to listen to music, you know, phonograph records with really amazing high-fidelity systems. Yeah. And now we have compressed MP3 files on our phone with little <laughs> pitiful earbuds, you know, yeah, and you can right. buy higher-end ones, but, you know, and that's why vinyl had a resurgence is people thought, whoa, I can feel the bass in my solar plexus. Certainly. That's what a cymbal really sounds like, a Zildjian cymbal. It doesn't sound like an aluminum pop top on a Formica table. It sounds right. like the gongs of the gods, <laughs> you know, and so they rediscovered that quality, but that got lost in the rise of MP3 and Napster and everything else. Certainly. And similarly with movies, movies got compressed and you'd watch it on your phone and you'd watch it on a laptop and Netflix instead of seeing, you know, surround sound, uh, you know, in, in an incredible movie theater. Right. There's still a bit of that, but it, most of that went away and um, and then social media you know you look at the statistics and kids are living at home longer they're starting relationships at a much later age there's even articles about how folks won't look each other in the eye as much <laughs> as they used to because they, they relate to people on social media they're looking at their screens right. I saw just yesterday um, the average American spends 11 hours a day looking at a screen of some kind 11 hours bro Wow. I mean that's fierce Yeah. and, and yet you know it's true absolutely and so, yeah and so um, um, so what I think Meow Wolf artists have done is they have they have wiped so much of that away. They have. Um, <laughs> this is charming. We're in the <clears throat> excuse me. This is it's we're in the back warehouse. This is where we set up for for the podcast. So 
uh, there's a little uh, a, a flautist, if you will. We've, um, we've got our Pass Portal series happening this summer, and we've got a lot of actors and talent in the space. Right. Uh, characters inhabiting the space every day, and I think there's a little practice going on in the green totally room Totally fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm happy to good? share space yeah. with, a, with an artist. Yeah. It's, it's, good. Yeah. it's a good musical vibe for our discussion. Absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully the tuba player will show up. <laughs> I've got my fingers crossed. Yeah, that'll be great. We can even take an intermission and just point the microphones towards him and be like, yeah. let, her, let her rip, man. Yeah. Let's hear it. Field recording. You've got a nice setup here for it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So I think that one of the miracles of what Meow Wolf artists have done and why we're so popular is that we've, we've, we've corrected this uh, disruption that digital technology has created in art and in our social lives. Mm -hmm. And so when you walk in here, it's no longer art on a phone. You are touching the mushrooms in the magic forest. They are lighting up and making sounds based on your interaction. You are going on your own path. We don't force you on a path. You are being immersed and surrounded by maximal, colorful, dramatic, inspired art. You are hearing sounds, um, surround sound technology, uh, discovering secret passages and portals. You you really tend to forget your phone, and you're with your party. You're you know the kids and the grandparents, the parents. Three generations will come here, and they're together and discovering all at once. And there's very little art that engages three generations of a family on an equal, awesome, inspirational level. I'll side with you on that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I think that we have made a deep correction to the. Um, dark sides and downsides of digital technology and media and giving people a chance to rediscover being surrounded and thrilled and discovering art and doing it with people and not mediating it with devices and, and bits and bytes. Certainly. Yeah. Um, does anybody ever get lost? I know that <laughs> we talked about there's no clear path or I guess there's, there's, there is uh, a little bit, um, but you really don't ready people with like, okay, you're going to go through this door and the next goes, uh, you know, you're going to go through the refrigerator and then that's <laughs> going to lead you into this and that. And I don't want to uh, ruin uh, anyone's experience that hasn't been yet. But right. um, yeah, do you find that? Um, <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, we, you know, you know, of course people talk about the fridge, what have you, but we often try not to tell people what's happening. Sure. You know, the folks at the front desk, they're not going to talk about specific things inside. And when, you know, media come to visit, you know, they, they kind of want to talk at first. I say, why don't you go inside? Just check it out. And then yeah. I'll be here when you get back. Yeah. You know, we really want, I mean, cause it's about immersing and don't forget house of eternal return is a story. Correct. You can treat it like a, a awesome, amazing jungle gym of all time, or you can treat it like a, the weirdest 70 room gallery that ever existed. Yeah. But it is a story. And so if we start giving reveals, it would be like a filmmaker saying, you know, you know, an hour in, you're going to, you know, the guy's <laughs> going to jump out of the, the yeah. closet and, or something. So we, 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 we try to respect that story aspect of it. And again, that immersive aspect of it. And so we often don't talk about it. And that's why there's no map and there's no arrows and directionals and signage inside. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, most 80 plus percent of the people go through the front door of the house, but some people go left and right. Sure, yeah. And after that, people do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, then there's... And, 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 and right. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we our docents <laughs> are in there in the white lab coats. They're, they're, they're both charter agents and in the story and docents. And people will say, how do I get out of here? Yeah, <laughs> what's, know, it, uh... does, it does happen. <laughs> And, uh, and people, people do, I mean, I came six or seven times before I think I'd been to every room, Certainly, but even just recently, uh, one of the artists showed me a little a kind of Easter egg, if you will, something that was in a spot and I had just never seen it before. And I mean, I'm still discovering right. a year and a half in, uh, I'm, you know, working here. Yeah. And I'm curious how, um, the, the poor artists and, and, and the people that, that do the maintenance and the keep up of this place. <laughs> I imagine because you're encouraged to like pull on uh, books and and uh, and handles and go in closets and look in the toilet and uh, you know really really go and experience this um, you know I. I imagine people are pulling on handles constantly. Has, has anything come out of the wall? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you know, um, you know, the dream was that we could get 100, 125,000 people a year and just stay afloat, just sure. sustain it. That was like the big hope and goal. 400,000 came the first year, half a million last year. We didn't plan on that, and we didn't know what could handle that and what couldn't. So we've done a lot of learning. Some stuff is holding up marvelously. Other stuff took a hit, and... Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, we had to replace the materials or take a different approach to right. the, uh, to the, um, 
you know, the, the stuff that was getting really heavy trafficked and, sure. and hands-on. So we learned a lot, and we've done some retrofitting or, t- or changed approaches in certain ways. The other thing that we learned we had to do was, you know, yeah, have an ACE cleaning crew come in every night. And then sure. on Tuesdays when we're closed, at least for the time being, we're still closed every Tuesday, do some deeper stuff. Definitely. And then every, and then every, and then we close for two weeks midwinter around Super Bowl time. And not only do we do deep, deep detailing and, and fix their upper work, but we also bring in new, a bunch of new stuff at that time. Smart. But we, you know, uh, hats off to the cleaning crew and the maintenance folks. You know, artists get the glory and, you know, front desk people get to interact with our customers and, uh, our, our flutist just walked by and she's going to be in there dazzling people and getting a lot of love certainly uh, our float cafe people get to interact and get love for serving incredible drinks and food the maintenance crew are behind the scenes heroes because there's a lot to be done uh, you know with all those folks coming through and, and, and like you say pulling and hands on and rearranging <laughs> I'll tell you another far out thing you know obviously we want you to open the mailbox and read the mail mm-hmm. go on the computer and read the computer files of the family rifle through their stuff we're totally cool with all that those clues are there if you want to go on the story track of it sure but what we found is people bring stuff in yeah they, they drop clues they hide things really they, they participate without even talking to us about it yeah it's That's... not a it's not like a million like everybody does it every day but there are dudes who do that and it's just amazing that's kind of fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i like that it's yeah. a it's a little bit of a I guess a, a less destructive, like writing on a bathroom wall. A little bit of rogue <laughs> guerrilla art there. Yeah. People <laughs> sure. say, do people steal stuff? It's like, yeah, some stuff walks away. But more interesting than people maybe pocketing, you know, a this or a that, which we don't encourage, you know, because it's there for everybody. But the more interesting angle on that is, yeah, people actually wanting to leave art, wanting to leave little objects, sure, uh, little notes. Can, yeah. Can we talk about the bad apples just for a second? <laughs> uh, just, <laughs> I couldn't help but uh, but notice as I was experiencing it, yeah, as I was experiencing um, uh, uh, House of Eternal Return, um, a just like the uh, the cleaning crew, which we, we we talked about, I was like, man, somebody's got to clean all these mirrors, and somebody's yeah. got to you yeah. know really give this a once over daily. But um, do you have a problem with people trying to heighten the experience with um, I don't know with drugs or anything like that? Do you guys discourage this? Um, and I, I speak very highly to you really don't need any drugs to experience, to, to experience um, what you guys have to offer here. Um, I, I tack it up to a lot of like what the bioluminescence are. Are you familiar with the bioluminescence? Yes. Yeah. It was the visually most, the most striking thing visually I've ever seen yeah. sober. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've had my go uh, at, at a couple of recreational things, but um, definitely you, you want to be cognizant for this, but do you have any issues with, with maybe some bad apples? You know, very little. I haven't heard, I haven't heard of anything, you know, I mean, you know, obviously it's some music shows, uh, you know, yeah, there's probably some dudes who thought they were being, uh, cagey with, 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 <laughs> you know, you know, smoking something somewhere. Sure. Uh, and, and would say, Hey, you know, oh, you can't do that in can't here. That. And, and, yeah. and like, Oh, you're Meow Wolf. You guys are artists. You're supposed to be about freedom. It's like, Hey, we didn't, you know, we, we, we're not telling you what to do <laughs> and we're not saying what the laws should be. Sure. It's just, we're running a business and, Absolutely. and, 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 and come with that comes some responsibility absolutely so if if you know if somebody tries to take their drink outside if somebody gets intoxicated mm-hmm. at a show we have to cut them off if somebody smokes a cigarette or maybe a little something else they rolled up um you know we're gonna have to ask them to, to not do that in our in our place of business um you know uh, has somebody come in in some other kind of heightened state and maybe acted a little wildly? I mean, I'm not here every day. Sure, and, yeah. But, but we have a great staff who understands that people get excited here and maybe they're approaching it in some kind of way. If somebody, you know, if somebody is acting in a way that's not in the best interest of our guests or, or, or in some way that's unsafely, you know, then we would just calm them down and oh, say, hey, uh, you know. Of so course. That, that may or may not have happened. I just know that our folks here uh, love our customers and understand the excitement and the drama of the experience here. And uh, Well put. You know, if anybody, if anybody, you know, we want you to be excited and, and have fun and take pictures and touch things. And, uh, but yeah, you know, if, if you act in a way that's going to, if it's um, disruptive. Tread on the experience of another person, then we're going to be gentle with you and say, hey, if you could keep it this way or that way, it would be best for everybody. Certainly. Kind of yeah, yeah, sober or not, if you're disrupting someone else's experience, it, it may cause an issue. That's what it comes down to, yes. Yeah, just respect. Uh, you know, Meow Wolf is really all about respect and community and loving one another. And, and, and we invite our guests to, to follow that same way of life. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you remember back in uh, like 2010, uh, James Cameron came out with a movie called uh, Avatar? 
and uh, lots of people were getting depressed and suicidal because um, they uh, they weren't able to experience. They knew that um, the alien planet Pandora wasn't a real thing. Uh, so they got really like blue. Did you do you remember these news stories that were coming out? Uh, vaguely, sure. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> yeah. was a great big important movie release, and and a lot of heavy things <clears throat> came around it. Yeah. Um, well, I was just another compliment uh, to House of Eternal Return uh, or Meow Wolf as a whole. Um, that's kind of this is the closest thing to Pandora uh, that we can get. So if those guys, if this was in existence back in 2010, it may be, uh, may have been less of a news story or an issue. <laughs> they just say, Hey, go down to, uh, you know, Santa Fe right now or uh, Las Vegas in about a year. There was um, an absolutely sensational article in uh, sci-fi, S Y F Y dot com uh, a week or so ago. And not only did the, you know, not only did the guy say, if you ever have the money to buy a plane ticket, you know, you have to go to, to uh, take Santa Fe and see Meow Wolf, and you know, and he said everybody has to do this once in their life, which is just you know an incredibly rewarding compliment. But he also said that it's the um, the closest we'll ever come to going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Well, yeah, really well put. And, and Willy Wonka was you know a huge piece of my imaginative childhood, and I also believe chocolate is a food group, so I have an extra <laughs> love for Willy Wonka. But yeah, I, I just loved reading that because I thought you know when you're a kid, you know the idea of the stuff that's in that chocolate factory and the whimsy and the imagination of it and the, you know, that the magical other worlds, licking candy wallpaper and yeah. fizzy lifting drinks and, you know, we yes. did, you know, magic rides and, you know, that when you're young, you know, you want the world to be more magical and more different and not square boxes and not the same you know, paint job and furniture everywhere. And yeah, you, want, he, you want secret portals like Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. And, you know, at some point you hit, you hit teenage life and you find out how the world is. And some of that imagination gets hurt. And, and it goes back to your previous question about what Meow Wolf artists do is we, we increase the possibilities. We invite you to expand your imagination because we don't feel like it, that, that this has to stop, that you pay a ticket, come in our attraction, have all that, and then, and then have to go back to a world that's less imaginative. We, we feel, and, and maybe virtual and augmented reality touch in on this discussion, but our vision is, how do we make this go beyond ticketed attractions? How can we make the whole world more imaginative? If you're having fun here, well, maybe your house should be more imaginative. Right. Maybe your workplace should be more imaginative. Maybe your community should have secret portals and more art. Certainly. You know, that's that's the next one of the next places this should all go. I love that. I love that. Um, I was also a huge fan of Willie. Did you grow up on the, the Gene Wilder? Uh, okay, that's the I one. I grew that, up on the Gene Wilder, what's yeah. Your, what's yeah. your favorite part in that movie? I'm Ooh. just curious. I'll tell you mine real fast. Sure. I love whenever the kids they first see Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka, and he comes out and they all think he's this decrepit, like he's the old man the in the cane. candy factory. He's got yeah. the cane and he's shaky. And uh, I don't know why. And he does the somersault. And, and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he does a full on flip. and like, hey, here I am. But he comes out like a really like old, uh, decrepit uh, curmudgeon. Everyone's like, oh God, what do we get ourselves into? We got to spend the next, you know, couple of hours with this, uh, this old <laughs> curmudgeon. And then he springs out of it. I don't know why that, I got such a kick out of that. It's a very magical moment. And, and as I'm searching my memory for my favorite, oh my goodness gracious. I know, I kind of put you under the gun. Because like Augustus Gloop, oh, he's great, in the right? tube, you yeah. know. But but also, I mean, I thought Mike TV was, a, I mean, this punky bratty TV kid, and <laughs> yeah. when they first show Mike TV, and he's got the guns. And, uh -huh. yeah, These are my play guns for now, but I'm gonna have real guns, right, Dad? <laughs> now to your ten, son. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I could, I could go on and on about favorites. I do think the fizzy lifting drinks was a, you know, a, a memorable scene. Certainly, yeah. Um, no, there's too many to to name. But that you just... know, Charlie. I mean, this is an obvious one. But Charlie giving the gobstopper back when his his grandfather, Grandpa Joseph, if if uh, if um, what's his name, was worth something was. The, the, the rival candy maker. Yeah. If, if, if he wants a gobstopper, he'll get one. And then Charlie turns around and says, Mr. Wonka. And uh, and then when he quotes Shakespeare and says, so shines a good deed in a weary world. Yes. Um, yes. Beautiful, beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, do you guys... I'm wondering how you get how many employees first before I d dive into this next question. How many employees are here at uh, at Meow Wolf? Is there an actual number? Yeah, man. I mean, when I when I came on board in uh, beginning of April of seventeen, mm -hmm. there was about low nineties total. Sure. And when I say total, that means that there's two kind of companies. Really, you could say there's Creative Studios, which is all the workers and makers and 
and, and people like me and, and Marcom and sure. all that kind of stuff. And then there's then there's the facility right here. And so you you know people who are dedicated to the experience here at House of Eternal Return. And so that total was in the low 90s, and that's about 15 months ago. We now have about 330, 340. Cool. <laughs> Tons on the creative studio. Yeah, I mean, it's sure. really intense growth. And and that's most of that growth, definitely growth here at the house, but a lot of growth on creative studios because we're now totally staffing up to build those new attractions in Vegas and Denver and also getting into entertainment and, as I said, VR and AR and other types of art and creation. And so we've hired a lot of makers, but also a lot of staff uh, you know, to deal with the demand and, and, and the increased amount of activities that we're doing here. The attraction gets a lot of the buzz and the vibe, but we have a learning center here with free art supplies for kids and for teens and amazing roster of workshops going on in the learning center. We've opened up float cafe and bar. And so now we've got a big, you know, food and beverage. We've got our liquor license for the shows at night Beautiful. and then great, great coffee drinks and yeah. smoothies and, and killer food. We opened our Trinity kitchen food truck with authentic Cajun cuisine. The menu but, for the coffee, by the way, is fast. <laughs> like I was, it was, it was almost like a, um, I don't want to discredit you, but Cheesecake Factory comes to mind. They give you a, like a, a dictionary of <laughs> <laughs> for a menu, and you're just flipping page after page. It was like that for coffee drinks. I don't think I've ever seen such a uh, uh, such a vast variety of like have coffee this way, that way. There's coffee ice cubes, uh, which is a, a great <laughs> yeah. invention. We um, don't know how to not go big. Yeah, I know. Clearly, we, we, everything clearly. goes big. You know, whatever <laughs> we start, it ends up just going as big as we can imagine it to go. It's just kind of our DNA. Um, before that, uh, I was going to ask you, how do you get so many artists to come together on one final idea? Yeah. And how do you maybe like float an idea of like, yeah, let's do an avatar. Let's do a James Cameron Titanic themed room or something like that. Or, uh, maybe something a little more interesting. Than sure. Titanic, but, yeah. uh, Terminator or something. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, is there a powwow that happens? Everybody in one room? Do you submit an idea? Where, do, where does this... You know, we started off as a, as a collective, a scrappy DIY art collective. And in the very beginning, there was, you know, eight, ten people. And it was very democratic. And they would hash these things out in a room. And then the collective grew. And then House of Eternal Return, that team was you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 folks, but it was still extremely democratic and people sharing and, 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 and hashing out ideas together. Anybody could propose an idea. That's still at the core of it. I mean, I just got an invitation to propose an idea for, for something that we're doing in Las Vegas. I mean, we all did, even mm -hmm. though I'm not on the art team. Um, and, and, you know, ideas are welcome uh, for, for, for these kinds of things and from anybody. And um, we still have that kind of Input from everybody is cool, and and share and discussing of ideas. Obviously, the the scope of these projects and the, the and the rapid expansion of the team means a little bit of hierarchy comes in. So while everybody can propose an idea, we, we, we can't have everybody review the ideas as as much as in the past. And so we have to have some art team leadership and and that kind of thing. But it still is is a place where everybody's encouraged to participate and share ideas. And if your idea doesn't get chosen, that doesn't mean that you're out. Then you're then you're going to be contributing and, and sharing ideas and modifying ideas of the ones that did get elevated. And sometimes ideas that don't get chosen, well, we're looking for an opportunity to bring it back in. There's things in the house right now that weren't there when we opened two years ago. Right. But then later on, we're like, what about that idea, you know, so-and-so had? What if maybe we could incorporate it over here? Mm -hmm. You know, so we're always looking to be inclusive and to, um, you know, and we, you know, I was mentioning the Trinity Kitchen food truck. Elliot's from Shreveport. He was working the front desk, and he said, "Guys, I got a culinary background, you know, and I'm a badass. And why don't I start a, a, an authentic Cajun cuisine food truck?" And so we let him dream, and we let him pitch, and we let him build a business plan, and then we backed him. Yes. And it's the same with Nico Salazar and the Future Fantasy Delight clothing line, and uh, Nicholas Toll's Experience Tube, which has been a viral sensation. He's an artist from House of Eternal Return, but years before House, he'd he'd had an experience with his pajamas one night where his face was in one end and. His other buddies was in the other, and he realized that a, a fabric tube face to face was a really trippy experience. And sure. so he had this idea, and we backed him and helped him out and did an amazing whack infomercial. And, um, you know, and it's just been a great big hit. And now, Mikey Ray, another one of our artists, his talent show is something that we're backing an animated series with merchandise and cards and, and um, uh, you know, a weekly series. And so we encourage dreaming, we encourage ideas, and whether there's stuff that's going to be part of our what we're presenting to the public or maybe it'll be something a little bit on the side 
Um, the process is inclusive. Everybody gets a shot. And uh, as we grow, we're going to try to keep that core collective kind of vibe going as best we can. Uh, but again, as I said, you know, with certain kinds of um, hierarchy and decision processes that have to be brought in just so we can, you know, get the job done. Sure, yeah. But everybody's got a voice at meetings, big time. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious if there are many artists or musicians. Um, I know that uh, uh, Wayne Cohen from the Flaming Lips uh, has an installation um, here. Uh, do, do you get... Uh, do, do a lot of people tr submit idea like, hey, I've got this great idea, and where do those go? Like, who do those go to if you're not already a part of the team? Yeah, Just good one. Good question. We've got uh, a website called getinvolved.meowwolf.com, or webpage, uh, part of our site, getinvolved.meowwolf.com, and anybody can pitch us. Wow, that's uh, great. That's amazing. And, and some of those things do happen uh, and get going, and we, we're, we'll be announcing... Uh, uh, pitch opportunities for Denver, for local Denver artists and for others to get involved in this massive, amazing Denver project that we have. And, and a specific call for proposals is happening there um, for that particular project. But in general, uh, you can pitch us at getinvolved.meowwolf.com and, and we'll check it out and do our best. Obviously, a lot of, a lot of ideas come in. Sure. And, uh, you know, we can't do them all by any stretch, but uh, we'll check it out. And if it's... Uh, you know, if, if we think we can do something with it, we'll follow up with you. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Um, is there something that has been inspiring that you've seen um, recently? An installation doesn't have to necessarily be Meow Wolf, but uh, or something that you've heard of that you're like, oh, that sounds really cool. I want to go see oh, that. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like a week ago, um, I think they're called Team Lab. And I caught them, uh, you know, during my kind of media trolls to see what's going on out there. Because we totally believe in experiential art. We, you know, sometimes people even copy us. And we're like, people are like, what do you think about this? They've got a fridge, too. And we're like, hey, you know. It's a compliment, we, you know? It yeah. is a compliment. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always love the old Keith Richards line about bootlegging. He goes, you've got a bigger problem if they're not bootlegging you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you very know? good. And so, uh, uh, but we want, you know, we can't be the world's sole creator of immersive and experiential art sure we think this stuff turns people on and enriches their lives and inspires kids and we want other people to be doing their own version of it we want to see it become not a trend or a fad we want to see this become how art goes in, in in many ways and so we encourage it we promote it when we discover something cool we put it on our facebook page and tell people about it and so i was checking stuff out and i see these guys called team lab in tokyo and they sold out on their first day T you saying team like team uh, like teenager team, team T A M. yeah i think it's okay. team lab and uh they just opened in tokyo this you know like mid-june sold out their first day and the pictures and the reporting looked awesome and, uh, of course, I'd love to go to Tokyo. Sure. And for many reasons, Japanese culture is amazing to me. The food and the architecture and the uh, art and the literature and the filmmaking traditions are all exquisite there. Absolutely. Uh, but I saw what these guys were doing with this digital projection museum thing, and it, it looked like like everybody who we shared it on Facebook had got a lot of love because it really? was like, whoa, yeah, road trip. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to have to yeah. do my homework Check on that. Check it out, Check man. It, it, out. Looks, it looks like these guys are onto something big. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I um, recently uh, had an interview. I think it maybe be the one right before this one. Um, it was the podcast right before this one. Um, I had a... Um, I guess an esthetician where she does a lot of waxing um, and she, she was making pube art with like uh, oh or body hair I guess yes. uh, in, in total but she was doing little landscapes with different <laughs> uh, courses of hair and such but um, anyways um, I thought that was pretty cool I was like well that's an interesting way to uh, reuse what would normally be trash I guess for sure yeah. I mean people need to take chances take risks be imaginative and uh um, try to do things, try to do new things and wake up, you know, try to, try to, try to change our vision and change our understanding of possibilities. That's, you know, the greatest, the great artists do that. I think there's kind of three kind of artists. There's imitators, mm -hmm. you know, and they just copy. Sure. And then there's, uh, assimilators who say, okay, you know, let's mix this tradition with that tradition and kind of create a new kind of hybrid. Right. Uh, you know, folk rock comes to mind in the 60s. <laughs> they took the folk side of things and they mixed it with the, the up-and-coming rock and roll of the 50s and they created kind of an, this intelligent, you know, kind of kind of hybrid of, of rock and roll. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, and there's lots of examples of, assim of, of assimilation. But, uh, but the ultimate artist, the third kind, would be innovators. Mm -hmm. So imitators, assimilators, and innovators. And innovators give us something that we've never seen before. And uh, that's what George R. R. Martin 
you know, who was our landlord who bought you know, who bought this building and enabled us to, to realize this dream. That's right. Uh, what he said was, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. And, um, you know, that's that, you know, a lot of a lot of artists are going for that. That's what you want to do is is turn people on and, and give them a new adventure and a new way of thinking and dreaming and seeing. Sure. And yeah. Feeling. Um, I just want to talk about, uh, since it was brought up, I'm sure a lot of people already know, but George R.R. R. Martin um, was, he's uh, an American novelist. Uh, he's the man behind Game of Thrones, um, various other things. Um, he, he bought the, uh, the Jean Cato, uh, Cocteau yes, uh, yes. Theater yes, um, he here in Santa Fe. And, and um, right, that's right. kind of how the ball got rolling here. Is that accurate or yeah, inaccurate? Yeah, you know... Um, George has had phenomenal success with Game of Thrones. He's lived in Santa Fe since 79. Certainly. I knew about him in the early 80s because a, a songwriter I admired mentioned one of his novels. But back then, he was a genre writer, a successful one, but but far from a household name. But Game of Thrones was, uh, you know, a tremendous success uh, right. for all the hard work he put in. He, he got very much deserved success through that series on HBO mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, was enriched by it. And uh, But is, is, is the kind of man who doesn't just hoard his winnings, but yeah. you know, realized that he wanted to give back to his community, and, and particularly in arts. And one of the first things he did was buy the defunct Jean Cocteau and restore that Art Deco theater to its beautiful glory and put in some really rad programming in there. And uh, our, our co-founder, who I mentioned earlier, Vince, somehow got a marketing gig over there. Mm-hmm. Um, Vince, I don't think, would mind me saying that he's not exactly cut out for the straight world of work. And <laughs> sure. for one reason or another, things didn't quite pan out, and, and he lost that job after a little while. Such is an artist's life, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, I myself was very unemployable. I, I look around, I say, VP of what? I mean, I'm a creative writer, and I was like as unemployable as it gets Sure. Uh, when I was probably the age that Vince was when he was doing his thing with the Cocteau. So, uh, you know, so, but when... The collective decided they were going to take one final shot at making this big thing happen, uh, and they and but they knew they needed a lot of space sure. because you know again that maximalism. We do things big. We don't need a gallery. We need a freaking you know institution or right. you know, massive space. So they found the bowling alley. It was like whoa, a space that of the size and scope with parking. It exists. Mm-hmm. The price tag was a million bucks. Yeah, that's six or seven zeros too many for the Meow Wolf Bank uh, account. Oh. I can assure you. Oh yeah. So, you know, Vince was thinking about who to talk to and who could possibly be interested. And, uh, you know, he had, he had that uh, tenuous line to George from that experience with Jean Cocteau mm-hmm. and uh, pitched it. Beautiful. And, and uh, you know, George, you know, George said the, 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 the hook was baited perfectly because it's a fantastical science fiction kind of story. Mm-hmm. It's young Santa Fe artists. Um, you know, most anybody else would have said, uh, no, uh, <laughs> but George is the kind of guy who said, okay, I'll do this. Now we had to go back and ask for another couple, 3 million, because it turned out that's what we needed to do HVAC and internet and all sure. the other stuff that it ended up, we needed to do. Yeah. And so there was further discussions, but he kept doubling down on us. And, um, that's awesome. you know, everybody who comes here and has a good time, it was a you know, or a life changing time, as many people say on TripAdvisor, uh, they, and we. Uh, and so many others uh, owe George R. R. Martin a tremendous debt of gratitude for his talent and vision and his patronage. Definitely, yeah. Uh, he, I guess, is that little drop of water that falls in the desert and creates the flower to push through the rocks and reach out and grab that sunlight. Um, Very and, aptly put. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah now the world really needs benefactors and visionaries and donors and givers. Uh, arts needs it, but also we need it for kids. We need it for food. We, you know, we need it. And so, uh, yeah. one of the things that Meow Wolf uh, stands on, you might be interested to know, we've got these kind of two principles as a business. Um, the first one is that artists should get paid. Any high in demand professional deserves to make a living. I'm so glad you touched on this. You know, earlier in the, you know, I talked about earlier in the conversation this idea that you know how digital had changed everything. Mm-hmm. One of the other kind of obnoxious things digital did was give everybody the idea that stuff should be free. Right. Well, I should just download my music. I should just download movies. And people got really belligerent about that. Mm-hmm. And they thought, well, these these companies, uh, these companies, uh, record companies always screwed over the artists. So I should just take the music. Well, yeah. There was a ton of record companies mistreating artists, but these guys were also downloading the music of indie artists. Right. You know, and then they would say, well, the artist makes all the money on touring, so I can just download it. Well, a lot of artists make money on touring, Mm -hmm. but Brian Eno doesn't tour, or, you know, there's all kinds of digital artists or artists who don't tour, and touring costs money. Yeah. Instruments cost money. Yeah. Emotionally, too. Like, that's, if you've got a family, it's going to be hard to to tour Europe for six months and not 
come back with a divorce waiting for you. Or, big, big time. Or uh, and then son should or the daughter. graphic designer get paid? Should the engineer get paid? Yeah. The the this, the recording studio. I mean, there's a great big massive food chain in music and in film where you know this is their job right to make this stuff that you love and that makes you feel good and that you want to consume and so you know this downloading thing and it's not just downloading it's also just like you know you're a writer and you submit something and they're like yeah we'll publish it and then your name will be out there and you can get you know that gig is the pay trip that's been going on forever (laughs) or even just lowball numbers like you're a musician and they'll pay you 50 bucks or 100 bucks for the gig or you're a painter and it's like yeah you know, give us this art and we'll give you, you know, like free coffee and a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, whatever we'll mention deal. your name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we say that ha- that's over. We say artists are high in demand professionals. People want what they do every day throughout the day. They want music. They want beautiful visuals. They want stories, film. People consume this stuff all the doggone time. Yes. And yeah. And so the people who cre- create that stuff should be remunerated like any other high in demand professional, an auto mechanic, you know, they get good money, um, and they should. Because right. I can't get under the, I can't get greasy and in the gears when my puppy breaks down. I don't sure. know what's going on. I need, sure. I need an, I need an awesome professional <laughs> to fix it and get me on the road in two hours. That's right. And that's just one kind. And of course, we could talk about doctors and everybody else. So it's like, yeah, I need you. You know, I don't know how to do this myself. Right. Well, I don't. you, can, if you can't make the art that you need for yourself, if you can't make your own movies and your own music, and you mm-hmm. need someone else to do it. They should, they should get paid. 100%. And so we pay our people really well. We've got great benefits. And we also promote to the world that artists should get paid. So they'll stay in your community and not leave. If, you know, Santa Fe often loses its artists to other communities because the opportunities were elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But, when, but, but when you can keep people, when, now, because Meow Wolf and other people keep the kids here, they don't have to leave their hometown, then, then it creates jobs. We can beautify the community. We can create workshops for kids. And this could be repeated anywhere else. If you keep your artists, you've got good creative people who will beautify your community, turn your community on, pass the torch to kids. Those jobs will create other jobs. It's a winning uh, ecosystem. Right. So we believe in that and we push that and we reward that. The other thing that we do, going back to talking about George and his benefactor ways, is we also believe that if you're one of the businesses in your community that makes it, and even if it was blood, sweat, and tears, and there was blood, sweat, and tears at Meow Wolf to make it, but still, we made it, and we made it with help, too. And just regardless of how you make it, if you find yourself in a winning position where you're profiting, then you have to give back to your community. It's, it's, a, it's an ethical community responsibility. I came out of this community. I worked hard, but my business is making it. I'm being supported. So we say, you got to kick down. you got to sponsor sports you got to sponsor art you got to help you know food and nonprofit groups and so we walked that walk and we gave away half a million bucks last year we have a diy fund a school fund we sponsor events we sponsor nonprofits. we we work any way we can um to you know to give back and uh, and we support others who do the same thanks to the folks who helped us we're, we're keeping it going right i love that attitude and it's, it pumps me up just to just to hear you talk about it i'm like yes yes we need that um if it wouldn't have been so annoying i would have said huzzah after every period <laughs> uh <laughs> um yeah, but yes that's yeah. that's an amazing thing um i concur as far as uh, artists provide a lot more than what I think they often get credit for and um, good on you for, for drawing that line in the sand and saying, no, they, they deserve to be compensated. And um, everybody's benefact is, is, is benefiting from, from uh, as far as like the community goes, people visiting have now have a story to go back to Wisconsin and say, yeah, we went to Santa Fe. It was really crazy. We went to this thing, you know, or Denver, Las Vegas uh, yeah, here anywhere. in the future. Um, but yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, you talked about being a creative re- writer yourself. Yes. Uh, what have you What have you done that uh, we might check out or? or oh wow, uh, um, there's uh, you know I've been um, holding my cards close to my vest to a fault. Um, <laughs> that's I'm all right. A, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a ridiculous perfectionist. I am working on my first manuscript of poems and I'm outlining my first big book. Uh, I do have some poems online on. Uh, on uh, my friend Harry Northup, who's actually a very notable uh, actor. He's been in Silence of the Lambs and Taxi Driver and Philadelphia and all kinds of amazing films. And he's also a poet. He's a multi-talented guy. And his wife, Holly Prado, is an exquisite poet. I, I think they're probably the great husband and wife poetry team, maybe in history, if not, America, certainly America, but maybe ever. Sure. And Harry has a website called times times 3blogspotcom 
and uh, and uh, every time I send him a poem and say, "Is this any good?" I mean, is this like? And he's like, "I love it. Can I use it for the website?" So sure. he's wonderful and supportive, and I do have some poems on there. Great. And uh, but uh, uh, and maybe a few other things scattered about the web. But uh, no, I am hermetically sealed and working on that first <laughs> manuscript. It's close, and uh, and I'm about to embark on a on a on a lifetime dream vision of another book uh, that is really starting to take shape. Um, and uh, I'm going to start to execute on it. And I can't give you a date or anything like that but, all right. but stay tuned I'm uh, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm looking to do something big that in, in Meow Wolf tradition um, beautiful yeah, yeah. awesome um, yeah that's that's amazing um, we're kind of at the point uh, in the podcast if you have any questions for me or if you uh, wanted to talk about something that we ne- didn't cover uh, we can we can do that and if not we'll just keep on moving along well podcasting has gotten so hot in the last couple of years and I'd love to know from you why you think podcasting has gotten so hot and um, uh, you know what you've learned. What, what you know, we we might get into some podcasting. We actually the spot that we're sitting in right here. Mm-hmm. We're thinking about turning that into maybe a kind of a, a radio station, maybe a you know a, yeah. a web radio station. You yeah, it's an area, and we do have some great podcasters on the team. But I would love to know your thoughts about why podcasting is getting so hot, and what some best practices and things to know are for for us, uh, Meow Wolf, and anyone else listening who sure. wants to get in the act. Um, you may get presented with an opportunity, like we're looking for a podcast. To <laughs> I'm going to put a radio station right. Here. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but uh, seriously, uh, if you are looking to, to bring on another, you said you had somebody on the team already, but if you're looking to bring someone on, hey, I'm for hire, man. Get involved.meowwolf.com. Give us your pitch. I'll definitely do, do that. It. I and definitely or do talk that. to me on the side too. Yeah, I can do that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, really the reason why I got into podcasting is it was a, it was a free forum. Um, as opposed to radio. I think I, that was first what uh, piqued my interest. I've always been a quote unquote entertainer, um, stand up comedian on the side, improv. Um, and then radio, um, I've just heard these horror stories about, yeah, the, you know, the, uh, the, the company wants me to do this and I can't do that and I can't mention this and I have to play that. Um, I just love the freedom of, Mm. um, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, say the F word on here. If you want to, you know, say, say whatever you want to, um, in the name of the spot, the podcast is called my shitty podcast. Um, so I got to name it whatever I want. Uh, I got to choose whatever format that I wanted. I just love the freedom of it. Um, yeah. and, um, to be able to do whatever I want. So if I'm not interviewing, um, I've got an episode where I just talked to a friend on a couch. Like <laughs> that nice, was, you nice. know, that was, that was pretty much, pretty much it. Another friend of mine had a really rad story. Uh, he was a, a motorcycle mechanic. Um, and uh, he had the story about you can go back and, and check these things out. I think it's called Riffing with, with, uh, with Vito as the as the episode title. But anyways, uh, just not having a higher up be like, no, you can't just talk to your friend on the couch. You can't just let him. You can't just come on and tell a fifteen minute motorcycle story about uh, this guy that got out of jail and it's not paying you, and you've got a, you're holding his motorcycle ransom. Nice. Um, yeah. I'm gonna listen to that one. That's pretty good. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, I guess that's really what what piqued my interest and why I went after freedom. Yeah. The freedom, yeah. The freedom what of makes it. a um, you know the ones that get the extra listens that 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 go more viral than the others, the ones that travel better. Mm-hmm. You know, do you know why? In some or some of the whys, I can only speak to my particular. Yeah, podcast. yeah. In your case, yeah. Um, and I think that it gained uh, a lot of uh, success that I wasn't prepared. Um, for it to like, it got really popular really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the format. So I'll go interview a, um, a fireman and then a hundred firemen will listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next week I'll interview uh, a chef and then a lot of culinary folks will listen. Um, so now I've got 200 firemen and 200 chefs. So it makes this really a natural diversity. Right. Evolved. It's, it's this big mixed bag of nuts that's listening now. Um, and thank <laughs> you for that mixed bag of nuts. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm always humbled by how many folks are tuning in and I'm sure I lose a few and, and gain a few, uh, daily as well. Nature but, of the beast. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that, that, I'm, I'm fine with, it. I'm still very humbled to, to know that one person is listening even you it's know? hip it's gotten so hot i think so uh, and i just read recently that audiobooks are on fire they're on fire man so so people are uh 
you know, uh, and maybe that's part of this experiential, you know, wave and, and change that we're seeing. But yeah, it's sure. really nice that people want to hear people talk. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and hear stories. Think, and uh, it, yeah, I'm, I'm all, for, all for it. Yeah, I think the long commutes too for mm-hmm. folks in, in California. I, I got a, a ton of listeners in California. I think yeah. it's because a lot of people spend a lot of time in their cars. Yeah, you should target the traffic cities. <laughs> go after Austin, maybe a little Denver action. Yeah, yeah man. Go, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, go, yeah, you're go absolutely af- right. Go after them. <laughs> Uh, well, John, in true My Shitty Podcast uh, form, um, we always end the podcast with a poop story. Yeah. It doesn't have to be your own, um, just one that you uh, enjoy or care about sharing. Um, so if you have a poop story, I would love yeah, to. Yeah, well, you know, um, it is House of Eternal Return, and mm-hmm. we built a full-scale Victorian home here to be a part, to be a, the central part of the story, or the beginning launch point of the story. And... Um, you know, uh, I shouldn't give away too much about the story, but the 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 upstairs bathroom definitely had some um, impact from the mysterious event that occurred in the house. That is part of the uh, yeah, that is part of the part you know part of the the mystery sci-fi part of the story. This mysterious event that happened here. That's why it is House of Return Return, and that's why you will find strange and wonderful um, things here. In addition to the humdrum reality of the of the of the core home. So the bathroom got impacted in a certain kind of way. And um, I love how you put this so PC. I love it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we do have, um, we do have facilities here for our guests, but the house bathroom in the story is not one of them. (laughs) And, uh, you know, most everybody gets that. But uh, there was a, there was a, a three or four year old lad, sure. uh, who um, I'm not sure how he got away from his parents' gaze for a minute. Mm-hmm. But he was he was having one of those uh, episodes that we all know about, where sure. where, where the clock is ticking, <laughs> and he 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 hit it. You know, he yeah. he hit the house of a turn and return bathroom. Yeah, uh, it's only happened that one time. Knock on, uh, I'm knocking on wood right now. And, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely do that. And. Uh, you know, and we were giving that shout out to our maintenance crew earlier. Oh, you man. know, it wasn't the artist that dealt with that. I don't think it was our it was our unbelievable maintenance crew. And God they, bless them, right? They made it happen, so you don't have to be afraid about going in the bathroom when you visit us. It's it's all good in there. It's all good, yeah. But it's been that taken is care of. that is the Meow Wolf number two story. <laughs> uh, the, there you have it. That's unfortunate. Well, I'm glad that it was an innocent child as opposed to uh, you know some uh, Rediger uh, out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Uh, awesome. Very cool. Uh, John, thank you so much, man, for sitting down with us, uh, or sitting down with me in particular, um, and and sharing uh, your story. I appreciate it, man. Adam, um, Adam, we're flattered by your interest and, uh, you know, really appreciate your coming to see us here at House of Return or Return. You're always welcome. And, thank you, uh, sir. You know, keep up the awesome work. Will do. Will do. That's it for us. Play us out. Shady ukulele. <laughs> Oh, you do wore a jacket and, and this oh. is radio, man. No one's gonna see that. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I was talking to the guys outside in the in the cigarette.